This is Aaron Leisher, and you listen to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to a special edition Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan. In front of me is Roy. Hello, everyone. We decided to change it up a little bit this time. Yes, yeah, so since we've got uh, you know interviews for about 30 minutes of content, uh, we thought we'd put uh, a question out there to Twitter and have you guys ask what you guys wanted to hear about, our thoughts on players, our whatever you guys want to hear, and we got some responses. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm surprised because everybody asked actual, legitimate, honest questions. There, there isn't anything weird like, what's your favorite type of casserole? That kind of right. stuff. <laughs> AJ. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with a question that your, uh, your wife happened to put up here. Um, hi, I would like to hear about Gabriel Arias. This is from Liddy Lurias. Uh, Liddy okay. Lurias, uh, also known as Liddy Lurie. Um, Hi, I would like to hear about Gabriel Arias, his amazing game this weekend, and what you think his timeline is. What does he need to improve on in his batting, and where does he stand among minor leaguers with regard to his fabulous defense? So, what's your take on that question? Well, real, real quick, Jim Tucker also asked the, the Gabriel Arias and Luis Camposano. So, yes, um, everyone wants to hear about Gabriel Arias, um, and you're going to hear in the interview with Doug. Uh, my take is, and he is. There's been definitely a change. I mean, we saw earlier this year with Lance Brozdowski and and uh, in the change in his swing and the in the step and in that leg kick, uh, seemed to have gotten a little bit shorter, but it didn't really translate until maybe. Till just after the All-Star second break. half of the season, second yeah, second half of the season, and I don't know if it's because of it or um, it just it takes you know in, in baseball you can't you, you just go into the cages one day it doesn't mean you're going to have a four for four game in the rec league. Oh no, you it takes just, it takes hundreds of it, reps to change absolutely muscle memory and and just in sticking with that approach. That's the biggest thing is like it's real easy to get like work on something, work on something, but then just work on something and then you know, start to use it in game and then maybe not necessarily getting success right away. And you kind of tend to go back to what you feel is comfortable, what you've had success with in the past, uh, success with uh, success with in the past. So oh, you guys are going to kill me on that one. Okay. So he's still striking out a fair amount. He's not drawing a ton of walks. No. And that's, those are probably the two things that are the easiest to point at that. It'd be nice to see improvement there. He's making a lot more contact than he used to. And he's making a lot of hard contact. Yeah. And he's a he's a big guy. You see him walk up. He's tall. He's got broad shoulders. He's built. He's got the long, long lean kind of a build, which stands out as a baseball player. He, he passes the eye test, definitely. For sure. So he's using, he's getting the raw power and he's turning that into baseball, you know, in-game power. Um, so right now he's hitting well at single A. What happens when he goes up to the next level and you've got more advanced pitch sequencing, guys with better stuff that know how to command it a little bit better? Yeah. Is he running into a bunch of mistake pitches? Is he Has he learned how to hunt for certain types of pitches? Because those are the kinds of things that more advanced pitchers can can single out on and go, okay, he likes... He likes the fastball up and in. Okay, well, I'm not going to feed him, you know, belt high inside. Right. Like last year, that's what we saw Tatis just pummeling was everything that was belt high, middle in. He was just obliterating. And somehow he's been able to expand that plate coverage. So I haven't watched, you know, enough tape on areas to see if there's right. a certain pitch that he's that he's thriving on. Defensively, I've, I've got to think he's one of the best defensive shortstops in all of the minors. Oh, absolutely. And the arm's there as well. And, and it's and accurate, too. His arm is more accurate than Tatis's arm. Yeah, and some would say even, and this is not just as talking to hyperbole, hyperbole hyperbole <laughs> god you guys are gonna kill me um <laughs> that the defense is almost better than tactics well, it was all the that. way coming up absolutely um he's got the flashy side of tatis too he's not like a machado where it just all looks so easy and smooth there's a there's an angularity to it there's a and it's it's just it looks so cool when you see him do it it does and when you see machado do something like that you're like oh it's like he almost looks lazy yeah. when he when he makes his incredible throws from deep, deep, deep in the third base, you know, deep in the hole. And it makes like, it look less impressive. It's just like that wasn't that hard, but you know, you see someone else do it, you're like, oh my god, he had to get up real quick, he had to throw real hard. Like you see him like just fling it from third base. Uh, Gabriel Arias, I, I don't know. I um, it's going to be interesting to see if he starts in Double A next year. Uh, 
this last, what, four weeks of the season, mm-hmm. or two or three, yeah, about three weeks of the season left, if he sustains that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he played winter ball. Yeah. And um, although, you know, the, the pitching and the quality of the play in winter ball is different, the AFL rosters were supposed to be released. I haven't seen anything on that. I haven't seen anything on that. But you talk about winter ball. If he goes and plays in the Dominican League, you've got the whole spectrum. Yeah. You've got guys that never really went anywhere in pro ball, but then you've got former major leaguers. Yeah. You've got journeymen. You've got, I mean... Ruben Rivera's still playing in the damn winter leagues. In, in Mexican, yeah. Right. Yeah, so you've got the whole spectrum of guys that are like single-A level all the way up to polished professionals that know how to get guys out. And look what it did for Tatis this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I like the AFL. I would like to see him play in the AFL. If he's working uh, on mechanical stuff too and working on approach stuff, absolutely see him go there. It's a short, you know, it's a shorter season, but they're definitely consistent, high caliber uh, quality of play. So then the other person that, that Jim asked about was Luis Campusano. And he's having an outstanding campaign. So his his calling card was his defense. He was supposed yeah. to be a good defensive catcher who's got the build and kind of the makeup that maybe he'll hit this year. He's, I mean, he's leading the, he's leading the California league in batting average. His, his bat, his uh, on base percentage is way up there. He's hitting for power. There's nothing that he has left to prove from an offensive standpoint at the level that he's at defensively. Um, he hasn't, th- he's thrown guys out at a decent rate. Yeah. Could do a better job there. I hear that his framing has gotten better, but people still say that his framing has a, has a ways to go. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good at blocking pitches. But he's not elite at blocking pitches, but it's everything is at a really nice floor right now where you look and you go, if, if that guy got pulled up in an emergency, he could probably be an okay fill-in in an emergency right now. And then he's only, what, 20 years old? He's 20. This is his first full season healthy. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, that's right. Last year he was dealing with concussion symptoms. That's, yeah, absolutely. And to have no ill effects of that and have the season that he's having is like, and I'm sure the, the organization is going like, that's great. Let's just keep that train going. Oh, yeah. Um, what I noticed with him at the plate is he, you know, and Tony Tarasco says this, he comes in there with mean intention. Like he's aggressive at the plate. Um, I think sometimes he uh, is a little too aggressive and will we'll swing for pitches. You know, he's like, I'm going to, like it's in a different count. Like I'm going to swing at this next pitch, and I'm going to hit it really far. You know, I have seen some of that, and and it's just a little bit of tweaking of the approach, a little bit of tweaking of you know keeping away from the pitches that you can't necessarily capitalize on because when you when he does swing, he swings for it, and he hits the ball very hard. And Liddy likes to say the ball comes off his bat and Gable Aris's bat. That sound is different than you hear from other guys. You hear a, a you hear a crack. I mean, the ball. Is Punished. Well, he's um, built like a linebacker. He is. He is. And for a twenty-year-old guy, he looks fully developed. I love that. And it's not—it's not the weight where he's going to get chubby and he's going to get out of shape. That's all muscle. It's lean. He's still really athletic. Um, just if he tweaks the approach just a little bit, and that's just him. It's high A. Wait, you know, he will again continue to develop and refine that approach. And we have another starting catcher, major league catcher, on our hands, or at least in development. So, you know the kid in high school that dad gets him a new car and it's a Dodge Challenger and he goes out there and he's just peeling around every corner and doing cookies all over the place and all that. I kind of wonder if that's a little bit what Luis Campusano has going on that he's he is excelling and i don't know i mean he's playing at a level he's never played at before and he's hitting for power and average and all of this and it's so maybe he's having a little too much fun with it Uh, you know with the as far as the overly aggressive approach yeah yeah, it's just kind of an analogy that came to mind right absolutely and you see with him he does he plays with a chip and a shoulder um in a good way in in exactly he's like he's like got a lot to prove and he expects a lot of himself, and yeah, that's sure that's everyone says that. But like you can see it when I see him come in the dugout, um, he's not, you know, you don't like he's not throwing bats or anything. But he comes back, he's like, damn, I, you know, I, uh, like I, I, he wants to do well. He has a high level of expectation of himself, and he does. He plays with that chip on his shoulder. He's going to be a great. He's going to be a solid major league catcher someday. Uh, it's just going to take a couple of years to develop that. To, to develop the catching, to develop the hitting, uh, to refine the approach. And he can be a, a 30 home run guy, you know, and maybe you know, once he gets to the majors, maybe he's not going to hit so much for average. Uh, who knows? He doesn't have the elite bat speed 
that uh, you know that Francisco Mejia has. And I mean, Francisco Mejia has incredible, even for a major leaguer. That's that's elite. Oh, his speed. hands are unreal. It, it's insane how how fast he swings the bat. Um, he has the bat speed, but it's not. You know, it needs to. He needs to refine that. Well, but he's short. He's damage. so short and direct yeah. to the ball. So both of these guys. So how do they make their way up? Right now, Campusano is pretty well blocked. Yeah, because you've got two catchers in the major leagues. You've got Austin Allen in AAA. You've got Luis Torrens in AA. So how does he move up? How do the guys below them, where do you get the opportunities? Right. So something's right. going to have to give this offseason because you can't just leave Luis Campusano in the California. You can't bring him back next year. No, no. There's he won't. no way. He'll, he'll definitely start. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have to do something with Allen. That has to do with the major league team. Uh, Luis Torrens and, and Amarillo is going to have to move up. Mm-hmm. He, he's not, none of these guys have, have anything to prove in their current level. Right. Um, so you put him, God, you put Camposano in a hitter's, <laughs> you put him in a hitter's paradise mm-hmm. like Amarillo. Hell, you you get him up to El Paso. He's going to be another Ty France with the power. It's just, oh my God, the guy's just a beast. But now Gabriel Arias, he might have a little bit of regression when he moves up to that next level. We might see a little bit of yeah. Hudson Potts light kind of struggle when he gets to double A. All right, so on to the next one. Um, Tom at T-E-E-O-H-E-M-M asks, is Joey Cantillo Nick Margavich's 2.0? Will his stuff play? So the reason for that question is because Joey Cantillo, um, he lives in the upper 80s. He typically will touch 90, 91 in a game. He's fastball, changeup, and is it a curve or a slider that's his third pitch? It's a, it's a curve. curve. Um, the changeup is a plus changeup. The curve is pretty good. It's a little bit loopy. And the fastball, he's got plus command on the fastball. The difference between those two guys to me, though, is that Nick Margavichis was drafted out of college. He yeah. was 22 years old coming out of college, uh, where Joey Cantillo came straight out of high school. So he's 19 years old now, and he's working to put on muscle. He's got the frame to add more bulk than he is, and he's already touched 94 this year. So there's projection where he may be able to add another tick or two, and not only a tick to the maximum, but he may be able to live in the 92-93 area. Right where he's something along the lines of Lauer Lucchese with the command and with a changeup that's already a plus changeup yeah. and, and a second breaking pitch that plays up, that plays well with it. He's a smart guy. He's a hardworking guy. So I think that there's, right now, I can see how that comparison makes sense. Oh, absolutely. But down the road, I think that Cantillo has the tools to, to surpass what Margavichis has been able to do. Because right now, I think we're seeing peak Nick Margavichis. In double A. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we're, he was we're doing not the first. Get any more velocity. We're not going to get no. any sharper command. Um, 91, 92 hardly plays unless you have mm-hmm. elite. And I'm talking elite off-speed stuff in secondary and third pitches. Now, he may be able to to refine the command and the arsenal and have like a, like a Jamie Moyer kind of a career. Right. Where you just, you hang around, you're the innings eater that always gets a job every year. And then you turn around and here's the guy, 38, 39 years old. He's still got a job. Yeah. You, you never know. And that's, your career. that's, Jamie Moyer had an amazing professional career. And then starts throwing a knuckleball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of his career, he was throwing in the low 80s and still getting the job done. Yeah. But Cantillo has the potential to be more than that. Now, he's not an ace. He's not a, a number two, maybe even a middle of the rotation right. guy. He's a back end guy. But... That's fine. You need a lot of these guys. Right. Like, as we've said, you need like 10, 12 guys to get through a season. Right. And and, and so you, you see the numbers in, in Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, you guys, is like they can't hit the curveball. They can't hit the separation between fastball and changeup. That's the big that's the big qualifier. So he's he's healthy. He you know, he mixes the speeds well. And the young hitters in, in the A ball can't do much with it. So those numbers you want to see you want to see him do well. Three-time pitcher of the of the week, um, incredible you know Hawaiian punch-out numbers with 128 strikeouts off the top of my head, um, and I asked him about that in the interview. I talked to him like, "Hey, a month ago you hit 94, you know, have you, that happened again?" And he was like, "No, it's not. I did. I, I think I said 96. He's like, don't give me 96. I, I hit 94. <laughs> He's not worried about it. Look, this kid just got drafted out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's nine. Freaking teen years old. In his first full season, he's doubled his innings. He has done everything you want to see and, and more. I'm like, he's a 16th round guy. 
Um, albeit from Hawaii, albeit Gatorade Pitcher of the Year, comes with a pedigree from Hawaii. He's done everything and more from where he was drafted for his age and the level that he's played to right now. It's not above. It, it's, it's it's surprising. So I want to clarify with something movement, I said. With with more gas in the tank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I wanted to clarify yeah. what I said, that right now if you look at what he has and what he does, he projects as a back-end guy. But there is the room for him to develop a little bit if the, the stuff ticks up a little bit right, and the velocity, velocity comes up yeah. and the command develops, then he could be a middle rotation kind of a guy. But it's hard to say. Because yeah. at, at 19, who knows? You, who knows what he's going to look like when he's 23, 24, 25? Yeah. And if that velo, if that velo ticks up and uh, the changeup is, you know, the other secondary stuff doesn't develop as much as the changeup, that's a good bullpen piece. So yeah. right now, I think his stuff plays a little bit better than Nick Margavich's stuff. Yeah. At, at that same level. So to Tom's last comment here, he says, hint, Margs didn't play. Yeah, it didn't play, but... Joey's got a little bit more projection, I believe, to yeah, get there. Absolutely. So I like this next question, and it's a it's a loaded question, I think, from Vladimir Riley at uh, Riley Ridley Ridley. Sorry, Ridley Vladimir. The Padres have a glut with 35, 45 future value players. How should they go about managing the forty man to avoid guys getting sniped in the Rule Five? Will should they be looking at those thirty five to forty fives? And seeing who they can package in trades, what kind of return could, should a package yield? So you can't just look at what happens if you bundle up a whole bunch of nickels and can you trade it for a quarter? It, It doesn't necessarily work that way. What it winds up being is if you take Eric Lauer and Austin Allen and a couple of these prospects and trade them, can you get something significant? So it's it's a very loaded question and it's an impossible question for those of us to answer it. This you've, you've got to have that GM brain to do that. And that's, I'm right. way underqualified for that. Well, and absolutely. <laughs> and you've got to have other organizations value these 35s and 45s as maybe 45s and 50s. Right. And pushing a, a 55. Um, absolutely. You've got to have the major piece, the, the, the piece that's going to, you know, that's the deal. So, um, one of my favorite websites to to use for a lot of these kinds of things is rosterresource.com. And they actually got folded into Fangraphs now. So there's a tab you can drop it down and look at the Padres roster resource page. And so one of the things that they list out is how many remaining options or what their Rule 5 status is okay. for all these players. So I'm going to run down the, the players that they have flagged who will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft this year. Um I'm not going to include the guys like Michael Geddes that were already eligible last year. I'm talking about the guys that will be eligible this year. Yeah. And I I want you to think about, like, do you think other teams would pick them and think that they're going to contribute on the major league roster next year? So Buddy Reed, Jorge Onya, who just went down with a shoulder injury, just had surgery. Um, Taylor Colway, Nate Easley, uh, Ronald Bolaños, Jesse Schultens, Lake Bakar. David Bednar, Darius Valdez, Evan Miller, Eggy Rosario, Esteri Ruiz, Jordan Guerrero, Henry Henry, Austin Smith, Reynaldo Ilaraza, and that's that's the end of their list. Now, there are a lot of other guys that will be eligible just because of service time. Right, right. But you listen to that list, and to me, there's only a few people that I could see somebody picking and thinking that they might have a chance to do something. Yeah. So Ronald Bolaños has had a very good year this year. The Padres invested a bunch of money in him out of Cuba yeah. when they selected him as an international free agent. I think the Padres are going to keep him one way or another. They're going to add him to the 40-man. Um, Evan Miller is somebody who's he's not a high ceiling prospect, but this year he's done nothing but perform. Right. So and he was one of these like day three guys that signed for not a whole lot of money. And all he's done is throw strikes, get guys out all the way through. I could see them leaving him available. And if somebody takes him, somebody takes him because his profile isn't anything extraordinary. Right. Those aren't usually the guys you see get taken in the rule five. Usually there's something that stands out where they look at him and go, that guy has a couple of special tools right. and a little tweak and we can make something useful out of him. Yeah. And you, and all the organizations see these guys, they have scouts of the games. Mm-hmm. They see with their eyes, what, Ooh, you know, like, like what we do with the players that we pick up, which one little tweak in that right there, maybe a change of scenery and you know, he can be a back into the bullpen yeah. guy. Um, Evan Miller's the closer for the, for the Chihuahuas. Yeah. Yeah. You and know? he started the year in, 
I think he started the year with with Lake Elsinore, and he yeah. skipped Double A altogether. Which, yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. Because him and Stephen Wilson were the two guys that were they both made the All Star team yeah. for for the California League, and then right after the All Star game, they both moved up and they've continued to ex- to excel. Where's Travis Radke on there? Um, he's already rule. Five, he was rule five eligible last year, and no one picked him up. Nobody picked him up because soft tossing lefty reliever. That's not somebody that you look at and go, yeah, you can plug him into a major league bullpen right. and he's going to be something electric. Right. You know, they want to take something special if they're going to. It's there's a lot there's a lot to it. So somebody like Buddy Reed, and Buddy Reed is a promising guy. He's fast. He looks great in the outfield. He's got power. He's got speed on the bases. Struggles to make contact. Doesn't draw as many walks Walks. as he probably should be. And he's struggling at double A. So are you going to take a risk on him? Put him on your 40-man roster and put him on the active roster? Right. He needs to sit on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. You don't look at him and go, there's a couple easy tweaks that can turn him into something. Right. And I don't know what the Padres did a couple years ago, taking guys like Alan Cordoba, Luis Torrens, Miguel Diaz, Luis Perdomo, and burying them on the bench. They were already in full-on tank mode at that point. Yeah. So you knew that those guys were going to play, and they're going to struggle mightily. Yeah. And it's just it just is what it is because they're looking for talent that they can stash for a couple of years. Nobody did that when they did that. That it, it's right. such an it, unusual usage of the Rule Five draft. Most players, the Rule Five, they're they're just tried out maybe a little bit in spring training, mm-hmm. and then they're released. So they don't have anybody really sitting in AAA that is in that category, that is like on the verge. So there are guys that were already eligible last year. Yeah. Emmanuel Ramirez, Jerry Keel, Eric Yardley, Tyler Higgins, Trevor McGill, Travis Radke. Those are the guys that are flagged on here that were eligible last year of that group. Trevor McGill is having an excellent year. He's got the build and the stuff to be a major league reliever. Yeah. So I could see them maybe calling him up this year to see what you got in him. Give him a handful of relief appearances and make a decision. Kind of like what they did with like Colton Brewer, Rowan Wick, those guys last year. Yeah. And if you wind up losing him, same kind of a thing that he looks good, but there's a lot of right-handed six foot four guys with a fastball slider. Who, you did, know? We, who did we give for Colton Brewer? Uh, Kiros. Yeah. Esteban Kiros. Esteban Kiros, yeah. Which is a great pickup. Yeah. And El Pony, you know, say what you want about him being in AAA, but he was a great mentor for Luis Urias and mm-hmm. some of the other guys in El Paso. They got Ignacio Feliz from um, Cleveland for... I, it's 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 evade. it wasn't uh, Rowan Wick it was the other guy that Brad they, Wick no no this was I'm talking before the Rule Five draft okay. last year so when they were trying to clear out the roster space um, because they they made a few and I think we'll see some of that where you'll clear room from the 40 man roster by trading some extra pieces away because you've got guys like Olivares um, Austin Allen and Torrens are both blocked somebody's got to move there I don't know if the team likes Josh Naylor on both sides of the ball enough to keep him he really does fit in AL more like so i responded to to latimer by saying we could spend like three episodes talking about this topic um but i I think one way or another you are going to see trades where they're consolidating where they're sending out you know three guys and getting one or two back you're going to see trades like the rowan wick colton brewer kind of things where they're trading somebody from the 40-man roster for somebody that's maybe in single a double a rookie ball that's more of a lottery you know long 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 term play and also, other teams are doing this. Other teams have roster crunches. We're not the only team. We just happen to have a lot of roster crunching mm-hmm. uh, with all this talent. But other teams are are dropping guys, and we're picking them up, and they're getting released from the from a team and getting picked up by another team. It, it's a part of the business of baseball. And those guys get picked up on other squads, and they, we pick these guys up, and they become pieces in our bullpen. We stash them in AAA. Uh, it happens a lot. Well, that's what the advanced scouting is for. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're watching these guys. Other teams are looking at him. And so if they see somebody like Taylor Colway, corner outfielder, he's hitting well this year. He's got some power. He's played some first base. Maybe they see some potential in him, you know, and they, they pick him up and he becomes, I don't know, Jerry Sand is just a name that comes out of <laughs> top of my head, right? He was kind of an... He, came out of nowhere for the Dodgers okay. and he wound up contributing for them for a couple of years. And okay. now he's playing in Korea, but and you're not talking about premium talent right. prospects. You're that talking wind about up organizational moving. guys. Yeah. Bench guys, guys that you know, your shuttle guys that come up and will play a couple of weeks while someone's injured just to kind of get some Peter Van Gansen. Yeah. Who came up with the reds. Are we, you know, we traded him for the reds. Yeah. 
Yeah, we traded him to the Reds in I uh that John Conniff connect corrected us on this because it, it was like Luis Perdomo or Miguel Diaz or one of those yeah. where the Padres took multiple guys in the Rule Five draft. We where, traded him. Yeah, because we had a pick. I mean, we being the Padres, they the Padres had a pick, and then the Reds had a pick, and they picked somebody that the Padres wanted, and so they and that's how Peter Van Gansen wound up going to the. Uh, Wait, no, Josh Van Meter. Josh Van That's who we're thinking you. of. Because I'm sorry, Peter Van Gansen's still with the Padres. Yeah. I yeah. got those two mixed up. I do too, yeah. They're kind of similar names. But he's come up. He's done pretty okay. He's done okay. He's hit a couple bombs. I'm not sure the, you know, he hasn't done stellar, but that's a cup of coffee. That's a, you know, that's oh, yeah. a little bit of value there for a guy who didn't necessarily, you know, have much value to begin with. Well, yeah. All these guys dream of making the big leagues. Yeah. And yeah, there's some people that have superstar status in their dreams, but really to be able to make the big leagues, see your name up there on the big board. Yeah. You've got your locker with your name on it and they're hooking you up with gear. And I, that, that's what people dream of. Yeah. And so to be able to do that at all is a tremendous success. It's less than 20,000 people have played professional baseball yeah. since Major League Baseball. I mean, that's why you see mom, mom and dad hugging their kid with yeah. tears streaming down their face after that first game. Absolutely. That's what they, that's what they live for and dream for. So, um, did, did we have any other uh, questions here? I, I, think I think that, that was the it, end but of hey, our list I kind of like it. I, I think we should maybe throw this out in the future. Um, maybe we'll do an off-season, something like this, or maybe during, sure. during the next season. Or even during the offseason when we have an interview, when it doesn't take up an hour, or maybe it takes up 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, where we can throw some of that stuff out, and maybe some of those guys are playing you know, winter ball. Maybe they're in the AFL. Um, maybe it could become a new segment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Love Q&A it. section. All right. Well, hey, you guys. Uh, we got Aaron Lacer coming up. We have Joey Cantillo and the Lake Elsinore Storm, Doug Banks, which is a great interview, uh, coming up right after this. We're here with uh, pitcher Aaron Lasher. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Having a good season. So let's get right to it. Uh, you grew up in the right in the middle of the mitten. Yep. Uh, what big league team did you grow up following? Uh, Tigers. Tigers was probably the team that I followed the most, and I went to a handful of games when I was younger. Um, majority of my family is Tigers fans, so I'd say Detroit Tigers. All right. Who'd you follow? Who were your players? Who were you, did you emulate? Um. There wasn't really anyone that I would emulate. Um, I did like Miguel Cabrera, obviously. He was a big guy there, still is. I like Brandon Inge a little bit. Okay. Um, as far as the pitcher's side, Justin Verlander, when he was there, um, Dontrell Willis was there for a little bit. So there's a few guys, but there's nobody I really you know, emulated or anything. All right. Michigan's a pretty cold place to play. Did you have problems getting warm or playing in the cold as you were growing up? <clears throat> uh, it was definitely a challenge um, growing up. You know, winters were a lot longer and, and whatnot, so a lot of the work was indoors. Um, but the high school I went to was had, did a good job of um, having facilities for us and everything like that. So although it was hard, we still found ways to get our work in, and um, winters weren't too bad. But a lot of indoor, right? A lot of indoor throwing programs. Um, Mount, Mount Pleasant's a pretty small town, and Moorhead State's pretty far away. Did you send a video out there, or did they come out and recruit you? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I had I had coaches that were emailing um, other colleges and stuff, and I think that was a big part of it. And then they actually came down to one of my games in Michigan, one of my high school games, and saw me um, and offered me not too much longer after that. So I think it was a combination of both. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, eight hours from my hometown, so it was a little bit of a stretch, but... Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both on that, on that side. All right, let's get into pro ball. Uh, let's talk about your arsenal. What do you throw? Um, fastball, four-seam, two-seam, change-up, and a slider. Nice, nice. Last year you started in Fort Wayne and came here to Lake Elsinore. Did, uh, how'd you find out you were coming to Lake Elsinore? Did AC play a prank on you? Can you tell us the story? Yeah, so he pulled me in after, uh, I think we had a rain delay or a game canceled or something. And uh, I think it was something along the lines of, working on pickoff moves. He, he, he said, uh, I think the previous game I got stolen on a couple times or something, and he's like, you know, we need to work on that pickoff move. We're going to be working on it in Lake Elsinore or something along those lines. Oh, dude, that's so cool. That's I love hearing those stories. Um, with 2018 being your first full professional ball, uh, first, first full year of professional ball, what did you focus on going into your first true off season? Um, strength was probably the biggest thing, just getting stronger, um, not being used to a 140-game season. 
a lot of wear and tear. So just getting stronger and being able to go deeper into ball games and deeper into uh, the season was probably the biggest thing. And then just expanding in my arsenal. Um, working on curveball is a big thing, something that I'll continue to work on. And then, uh, you know, like I said, just getting stronger and working on my arsenal. Do the Padres give you anything specific to work on? Did you have a player program that they have you follow? Yeah, there was a few specifics they send you um, off into the offseason with. Um, you know, kind of just mobility things were, were my thing, shoulder and, and hip stuff. And then obviously getting stronger, gaining a little weight. Um, but a lot of it is basic. They give you stuff and they kind of let you make it your own. Um, but for the most part, I had a pretty good idea of what I needed to work on going into the offseason. Nice. Did you have any specific uh, system for your offseason throwing, like driveline or anything like that? I did not use driveline. Um, I did use driveline in college. I kind of slowly, gradually kind of went away from it. Um, but as far as my throwing program in the offseason, it just starts, you know, sometime around Thanksgiving. I just gradually build up um, and eventually throw bullpens and, and just kind of expand. Um, like you said, talking about earlier in Michigan, it's a little difficult to long toss, but um, I had a pretty good facility in Michigan, and then I actually spent some time in Florida and then came out to Arizona a little earlier, so it made it a lot easier to you know get stretched out and work on bullpens and everything. You know that facility in Arizona is open all year round. Yep. Like, you don't need to spend a, a winter in Michigan. Yep. Um, so this year you start, off, uh, you start off strong and then had a couple – Tough back-to-back -back outings in June. Did something change? Because this second half as well has just been on fire. Yeah, um, a few a few tweaks here and there. Um, I think just getting more consistent with my routine. Uh, the first month or two was real shaky. I was bouncing between, you know, starting and piggyback, and I had a few um, relief appearances, and so it was just kind of tough to get into a nice routine. Um, so I think that once I got into a, a weekly routine and stuff in between my outings, that helped a lot. And then just um, as far as how I was pitching, I was attacking more. When I've, when I've been doing better, I've been attacking early and getting early outs. Um, and that's been really big for me. And, you know, when I was struggling, I was kind of getting behind and getting in hitters counts. And then, you know, they were putting, putting good swings together and everything like that. So um, I think just attacking hitters early and getting early weak contacts has been my biggest uh, adjustment this far. Yeah, kind of, kind of to go a little bit deeper in that, you're carrying a 1.44 ERA in the second half. These teams have seen you a few times, and they know you. Uh, are you doing anything to keep them off balance? Are you pitching backwards? or? At times, yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely a, a league that you're seeing a lot of the same lineups. Um, that can be beneficial as well. It's kind of tough to face guys like that. But um, I have pitched backwards at times, and you know I really key in on if I've had success against a guy or a lineup doing one thing, you know, doing it and repeating it again until they show me they can beat it. Um, and that's been a that's been a big key for me. Try working with Luis in, in the catching core to to have a game plan and follow that game plan. Absolutely, yeah. Um, my fastball changeup combo has been really big for me um, as of late, and you know, really this whole second half has been really big. I've been able to throw my changeup and just by any count and feel real comfortable with it. So if I do get behind, you know, I'm able to throw that pitch and you know get weak contact or whatever it is. So um, yeah, definitely something that. I've been happy with the second half and something I'm going to continue to do and hopefully finish this season strongly. Okay, one last question, then we're going into lightning round. Okay. What, so in, in Michigan, what do you like to do in the offseason? You fish, you hunt, you just lay around picking? I hunt. I'm, I do hunt. I don't fish, um, but I do hunt uh, quite a bit with my dad. Um, other than that, I mean, I spend quite a bit of time with my family in the offseason. Is it duck? Is it? Whitetail. Whitetail? Yep. Deer. Yeah. So okay. Quite a bit of that. You know, like I said, just hang out with my family and, you know, I gradually kind of moving to warmer weather. Like I said, I spent quite a bit of time in Florida last off season and then went to Arizona early. So that's probably something I'll do again this off season. But I do like to spend, you know, at least a couple months in Michigan to be with family and, yeah. and like I said, hunt. So, yeah. And you get into Arizona early and hunt shade. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Ready for lighting round? Let's do it. Are you superstitious? No. Celebrity crush? Blake Lively. Spartan or Wolverines? Wolverines. Better Michigan artist, Jack White or Kid Rock? Kid Rock. Who's the most famous person you've met? Famous person I've met. I gotta think about that one. Ugh. Tory Hunter's the first one that's coming to mind. There's gotta be some, there's gotta be some <laughs> Dude, he's, Tory Hunter. We yeah. love, we, I was just talking to Tory Hunter with Steve. Okay, do you know who Alice Cooper is? Heard the name, yeah. Okay, you need to ask Zamo about that. He's probably gonna give you some homework to do. Right. Uh, most irrelevant thing a coach or a catcher has told you on a mound visit. Most irrelevant thing, um, maybe throw strikes when I'm, when I'm throwing balls. <laughs> <laughs> Point 
the obvious. Oh, that's great. Okay. If you could face anyone in, in the history of baseball, who would you face? That's another good one. Um, maybe Barry Bonds, just because he's one of the top hitters of all time. And I think it would be fun to see what I could do against him. Probably Barry Bonds. You're just plonking, really. Just eking yeah, on base. <laughs> okay, besides a dog or a cat, what pet would you have? Besides a dog or probably a rabbit. I had a rabbit when I was younger. I'm a big fan of rabbits. So. All right, all right. Okay, one more time. In and out or five guys? In and out. Sweet. Well, I appreciate Aaron coming to uh, talk to me. Thank you very much. Yep, no problem. Thank you. All right. Hey, we're here with uh, Joey Cantillo, and he's uh, he's going to talk to me while he does his workout. Joey, let's uh, let's first let's get people to know who you are again. 2017 Hawaiian Gatorade Player of the Year. You were named jo- uh, you're named Joey uh, after your dad being a big. Joe DiMaggio fan. Uh, does your middle name Lopaka mean anything? Uh, it, it mean, it's actually the whitest Hawaiian name ever. I joke around with that to a lot of people. It just means uh, Robert in Hawaiian. So it's a white Hawaiian name, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, are they called, what are they called the white guys in the islands there? The Howley Boys? Howley? Howley, yeah, Howley. <laughs> so while you were in Fort Wayne, uh, did did you stay with the host family, or did you get to live in one of those cool apartments? No, I got to stay in a nice apartment. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good, good experience. Uh, it was me, and, me, Blake, Ryan Weathers, and Gabe Moser. And so Gabe came up here. So, yeah, that was a good setup. Uh, great guys. So it was fun. Did you do any cooking? Yeah, I cook every day. That's definitely my thing. I'm sure you've heard it from other guys. But, yeah, cook my eggs in the morning and chicken breast or steaks, whatever I can. So You didn't cook for the crew? Uh, once in a while, I mean, Blake kind of had his old thing going, uh, Ryan and Gabe did their own thing, they ate out or whatever and cooked when they needed to, so, yeah. All right, starting the season in Fort Wayne, and coming from Hawaii, you brought your own jacket, right? Snowshoes and gloves. Yeah, no, it was cold in the beginning there, uh, that Midwest weather was, was something else. Um, I, I guess a few starts I had, I had to pitch in kind of 45, 50 degree weather, but for the most part, I kind of got lucky there where there were some starts where it was just, you know, 60 that day where it was kind of a little warmer and manageable. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely just cold, you know, sitting in the stands, charting is brutal. And then, yeah, into the summer, the, uh, June, like right before I came up here, June was miserable, like just absolutely humid, uh, just sweating like crazy. Yeah. It was thick, thick, humid weather. <laughs> so, hey, real quick, your favorite place to eat in Fort Wayne? Favorite place to eat in Fort Wayne? Ooh. Um, Cindy's. I'll have to say Cindy's. All right. It's Everyone loves. Yeah. And I love breakfast. I can eat breakfast any day of the, any meal of the day. So, Cindy's. There's not a lot of off time uh, in your travels through the Midwest League. Were you able to check out any sites? Um, we had an off day in Chicago, which was kind of nice. I'd never been to downtown Chicago before, so that was cool. We had an off day, got to see the city, right? See the uh, Sears Tower, or whatever it's called now. Uh, went on a boat ride near the uh, Navy Pier and everything, so kind of got to be a tourist, have some good Italian food. So that was nice. But yeah, other than that, I mean, in my eyes, there's not too much else to see in the Midwest where we went, so. But, you know, my time there was awesome. I'm really happy about it. Absolutely. So how has the transition been from Fort Wayne to Elsinore? Did they have a host family here for you? Are you rooming with someone? Yeah, I've been in the hotel actually the last few days. But, um, yeah, I'm moving into a host family in, uh, tomorrow, actually. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different experience. You're, you're, you're getting into a new team. You're meeting, not meeting new people, but you're seeing how things are, a different system, different kind of routine. And you kind of got to develop your own routine here because, obviously, in Fort Wayne, you know, four or five months, you have, you know, I knew what I was doing every day, you know, you knew like, knew how things kind of went and yeah. here you get here that things are a little different so you kind of have to adapt and kind of just learn and kind of shut your mouth and just learn how things go, kind of watch and learn things and see how the guys are, see, you know, they all got their own jokes and stuff that, you, you know, catch up on things. So it's been nothing but, it's been great. Um, the guys are awesome here. So it's an older group of guys that, you know, can learn a lot from. Absolutely. And I saw you charting pitches with Gabe uh, the other night. 124 strikeouts and 98 innings. Is it okay if we call you the Hawaiian punch out? Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I've never heard that before. Nah, yeah, we're going to call you the Hawaiian Punch. Out. Uh, When you debuted against the 66ers, did you know you were the youngest player to pitch in the Cali League this year? No, that's awesome. Yeah, a funny thing about that is in high school, I might have told you guys this already, but in high school I'd always get on my parents about being so much younger than everybody else and, you know, I wanted to be older, like come like draft day or come going to college, just being older and developed, you know, physically better. So 
Um, but now, obviously, getting drafted at 17 was huge and being, you know, in the Midwest last year at 18 at the end, being here at 19. So it's awesome. You can't, can't complain. No, you can't complain, Joey. And for those of you guys who don't know, we talked to Joey back in February. Uh, you guys want to go back and listen to that whole episode. It was an excellent interview. Uh, Joey, thank you. Okay, so the, the changeup. I was at the game. The changeup looked nasty. Uh, are you getting more comfortable throwing that kind of anywhere on the count? Yeah, I think, like, especially in Inland that, that you saw, I was my fastball command was really brutal for the most part. I didn't I didn't have any feel for it. So I was forced to throw that changeup a lot, and I was able to throw it for strikes really well that day, which is, you know, I've been able to do that the whole season. But that day, you know, I had to throw it behind in the count because I was 2-1 on hitters, 2-0 on hitters, full count. So I was forced to kind of throw that in full in, in certain situations but yeah obviously having good command for that changeup and it being such a good pitch is good because i can throw it obviously in those, those fastball counts and uh, the other day uh yesterday against um stockton yeah my fastball command was a lot better was able to get ahead in counts and kind of use that changeup and the fastball to put guys away i couldn't make it up to the game quick question is the ball different for the midwest league to here in high a i haven't i haven't noticed anything so say hello Hey, I, I have say hello. Hi. <laughs> I, I haven't noticed anything, so it feels the same. It's a okay. little drier out here. So you never stop working to improve. Can you tell us a little bit about the hip harness? Lance Brozdowski, friend of the podcast, uh, wrote a little bit about it. Can you tell us what it's for, what it does? Yeah, basically you strap it on. It's Lance Wheeler's kind of invention thing. You guys can check it out on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a harness that you kind of put around your hips, and it attaches to your legs. And you, what we do is we, we kind of it's, – it's a – um, bungee kind of like a, a band that's hooked up to a weight that's like kind of at a 45 degree angle down the mound for me at least and what it does basically is as I'm throwing or as I'm doing dry reps it, it forces my hips to go in the direction that I want them to which is towards home plate obviously linear but also kind of if I'm, I'm a lefty so towards the right handers batters box kind of get my my hips moving behind me so I'm forced to get into my glute yeah right because when you get in your glute that's where your power is and in me in my case what I do is I drift towards the first base side a lot which I get in my quad you know I come up on my toe so that's basically just it's really forcing me to use my body how it needs to be used to, to obviously help the velocity and help the power and efficiency and everything like that so I I'm thinking about buying one in the offseason and use every day Nice. Well, and, and it, well, it looks like one of those things that they used to have in the 90s where you strap your kid to it and they can run around like a free yeah, so, But, yeah, it's a good stop. Um, so you touched 96 in the sixth inning last month. Has it happened? Don't give me 96. Nine, okay. Oh, God. Uh, I wish. Not yet, but 94. Has oh, it happened again? Uh, that game I hit 94 twice. That has not happened again. I think the last few starts in Fort Wayne, I was up to 93 a few times. But yesterday it might have been 92. But you know, at this point in the season, I'm not obviously velo is important, but it's not the end all. Like you, I can still go out there with whatever I'm at if I'm 88 to 92. Um, still get outs right, and then when the off season comes around, time to get bigger and stronger again. And uh, yeah, time to get bigger and stronger again and come into spring training throwing harder than ever and doing everything right. Fantastic. Just a couple more. Have any of the yeah? Have any of the pitchers given you any advice or tips about pitching in the Cali League? No, I mean, not not really. Some guys have said some things. I think more is just me learning and watching things, how things go. Obviously, these are better hitters, and it's an older league for sure. I think I was talking to Gabe about that yesterday. Uh, you know, you're not going to see as many. You know, there's still teenagers. You know, but they're you know, there's adults, there's college guys, there's 24, 25 year olds instead of 17 to 19 year olds. So obviously these sitters are a little more disciplined and that's going to continue to happen as you move up through the levels. So just recognizing stuff, you know, the hitters get better, but at the same time we get better. So the pitchers, you know, we got good stuff. I got good stuff. So just about executing pitches and basically. Speaking of discipline, have they told you about the KFC buffet? No. I <laughs> it's across the freeway. <laughs> yeah, I try to stay away from that. <laughs> okay. You know you're going to get a chance to hit here on the Cadillac. You excited? Yes, I'm really excited for that. Uh, first, whenever we get pitchers BP, I'll show everybody what I got. So. I've got a video of pitchers BP, so uh, Doug will let you guys hit on yeah. occasion. Okay, so real quick. You doubled your innings from last year. You won Midwest Picture of the Week three times, worked your way up to high A, and showing you belong. Great first full season affiliate ball. Yeah, um... I think it's been a solid year. Obviously, we still got two weeks left, and then we got the playoffs coming in right after that. So, I mean, hopefully, we make the playoffs. So, we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, I think just finish the year strong is basically my biggest motto. Take it start by start, day by day. 
it's really how you can look, the only way you should look at things. Um, but yeah, just continue to do what I'm do, doing, throwing strikes. Um, obviously, this last month I haven't, I've walked a lot, a lot more hitters than I'd like to. So just continue to work on throwing strikes more, and then yeah, just finish strong. Really. All right, real quick, two more. What are your plans for the off season? Um, I'll be at home. Yeah, I'll be at home uh, as soon as the, the season ends. Whatever happens, if I'll be working out at home and uh, in that tactical strength gym. Hi, again. In that tactical strength gym back in Hawaii, and then uh, Padres call me out. I'll probably be in Arizona for a few weeks doing some strength camps. So got some family vacations and stuff to do so i'm really looking forward to the off season but obviously last few weeks here finished strong hell yeah okay one more thing just take me through a perfect day back home perfect day back home i wake up go get some breakfast at a good breakfast stop um back home with my boys some of my best friends then we'll probably head to the beach surf for a little and beach hop go to another beach get some lunch eat at that beach then go to another spot probably dive for a little put some masks on and go dive um get some more food we're always eating and then probably go watch a sunset somewhere surf a little more and have a nice dinner uh it sounds like at night yeah <laughs> it sounds it's like mahalo dream, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Joey, I really appreciate it, man. Congratulations on such a fantastic year. From sure. the beginning of the year when we talked to you in February, all the way up to now, with three weeks left in the season. Dude, you're killing it. You belong. Uh, have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks. We're here with uh, Storm hitting coach Doug Banks. Doug, you went from college from college to mm-hmm. coaching with the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. How'd that happen? Um, uh, right when I got done having my fourth shoulder surgery. I hooked up with a man named Luis Ortiz, who my father knew, um, and I just started doing lessons there for a couple weeks, and um, they were like 21, and Louis took me over to the uh, ballpark in Arlington, and that day, um, I just told Rudy, I was like, hey, I'll help, I can help out, and he's like, okay. Um, worked with some guys in the cage, and the next day went out there and just, um, they were setting up VP, you know, Nolan Ryan, John Daniels, Rudy, all those guys are getting ready to watch, and Ron Washington getting ready to watch uh, Josh Hamilton, Michael Young, and Ian oh Kinsler, God. you know, hit VP, and yeah. I had never thrown VP in my life, and I'm just sitting in the in the first base dugout, in the first base dugout, and Rudy's like, all right, hey kid, you got group one, and I was like, oh. Okay, so I went out. I went out and threw BP to you know Josh and those guys. Oh, yeah. And afterwards, Josh was like, "What do you do? What are you up to this summer? You know, coming up?" And I was like, oh, "I have no idea." And then they just started talking, and um, you know, Louis was like, "I think I offered you a job." I was like, "Sure." So I just started out, you know, throwing BP and incrementally worked my way into doing whatever I can, absorbing, learning at that age, and taking full advantage of it, and. Um, kind of got to have you know Rudy and Louie be a mentor and so just it was a good opportunity at that age and then it just kind of blossomed until to now you know and I don't know if a lot of my listeners know this but Rudy Hamario is a yeah. is a god is yeah. a hitting legend yeah he is he is um you it's gonna be a stupid question but what did you learn from him and could we get a really good Rudy story uh, Ru- uh Rudy was gr- a great mentor um he I don't have any like great Rudy stories per se right now off the top of my head. Right. Just a man I really do respect. Um, you know, I have the utmost respect with, with Rudy. He really took care of me. I let me come in and learn and be a part of his his hitters meetings, um, the way he taught, uh, how he how he dealt with those type of players at that level. Um, there's a lot of high end talent on that team yeah. that have been around. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just like your typical major league team. Um, Rudy had a system in place of of what to do um, in terms of just uh, philosophy with hitting, and it was just being a young kid, go, getting to go and get a you know a, a master's degree from these guys that were that were really awesome. And then Rudy was just really great with the guys, really in terms of having a, a philosophy, a mechanical approach, a, a mindset, but also also really good relationship with the players, being just you know upfront with them, keeping it real, being yeah. real, yeah. Um, and always just you know pursuit of constant development yeah. you know and that's the thing about rudy is like i would i would hear stories of other hitters from other organizations seeking him out yeah in the off season and go like i'm gonna get a hit with rudy yeah that was a big reason andrew jones came over that off season um i remember andrew jones and him were working and i would just you know do all of the i guess manual labor and rudy would do the teaching and and, and that stuff and a couple of the times that that um 
that Rudy would let me be involved in. And it was, it was a great opportunity for me at that age just to do whatever I could to soak it up and learn from probably one of the best hitting coaches, you know, of his time. And yeah, yeah and just very respected. And like you said, guys would – They'd fly him out. He they fly in. You know, he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't cheap to say the right. least. He wasn't cheap. Yeah. Okay, so you get into scouting, uh-huh. uh, and so how do you, how do you, how do you use the scouting tool to teach coach hitters? Really? Oh, uh, you know, like I've heard, learned from a lot of guys is to to teach these guys in terms of offensively of a, a hitter's identity, be able to self evaluate, know what, what you do well. Are you a you know, when you get into the game, even at a young age, you really need to identify like what type of hitter you are. What can you self-evaluate? Are you a, you know, a line drive, gap to gap, contact, move a runner, score a run, or, or produce a run, or in some cases, a, you know, a hybrid, a guy that can do it all. Which are you know the Tatises who I got to have the first year, and and you get to see like a Gabe or a Camp get to develop into yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2016, you joined the Padres as a rookie level hitting coach. Uh-huh. And scout. So, how did? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of being kind of a scout and then a kind of a coach? Um, it was a dual role. That uh, the reason I left the Rangers was to have that opportunity. I I originally started, you know, twenty one, twenty two in a uniform at the big league level with the Rangers. Um, you went to you got to be a, involved with two World Series teams and learn from great coaches and great players. Took that into area scouting for. I don't know, five, six years with the Rangers. And then when I got to come over to the Padres and that opportunity, I just wanted to be able to do both. Uh, then uh, some guys were encouraging me, some coaches and some players were encouraging me to, you know, to get into that full time. So I said goodbye to the scouting, but it was cool. It was, it was a great opportunity. I, I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely. So next year you go to Fort Wayne. What's the focus of the hitters in that level? Oh, man. Uh, that that level is really uh, interesting. We were, I think we were the youngest team in. Padres and, and same young and a lot, a lot of upside. That, that year was uh, a learning experience for me and for the players in that first month. Um, we had some philosophies in terms of what we wanted to do on the first month. Um, a good, a, I, I had some very good people to lean on in terms of Luis, Rudy Jaramillo, yeah. uh, Clint Hurdle, Scott Coolball, um, and just yeah. use those resources to, to learn and and try to develop these guys as quickly as possible. And, and we had a lot of talent, so it was, you know, mostly just trying to get that talent to show up every night, be consistent, consistently execute each night, yeah. yeah and those young kids at 17, 18, 19, yeah. I think uh, you had you had Gabriel down there at 17, you had Tatis down there yeah. at 18, 17? 17, at 17. Tatis, Hudson Pox, 17. Oh Rosario, 16, 17. <laughs> bunch of teenagers. So what's it? So in, so in that league, what are they looking to develop? Are they looking to develop that hitting identity? Are they still learning the strike zone? Everything. Uh, at that young age, you're trying to to move the needle in terms of 1% each day. Just try to teach those guys a routine of being disciplined and what it means to be a professional day in and day out. Just to try to teach them to do the small things that, you know, over time, those things add up. A lot of these kids just want to go from A to Z, you know, that quantum leap. But there is no, there is no quantum leap. But you have to... You have to get really good at being uncomfortable with everyday disciplines and teaching those those kids that it just doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's the, the biggest challenge with, with some of these kids each you know each each day in and day out at that level. They have to they have to develop themselves mentally, yeah. physically, and an approach and everything. Yeah, I'm sure the the mental approach, especially at that young age in our system, is is really big. Mm-hmm. So now you're in the high A. What mm-hmm. uh, what's the focus do you teach these guys here? Refinement. Uh, this level's pretty much just a little bit uh, a step up. It's um, you know an advanced A ball type. Uh, what I've noticed at this, at this level is that talent is usually is getting better younger. Uh, there's a lot of guys in this league last year, Gonsolin, Dustin May. Much you know every month with young hitters, and you just have to learn to. Develop an approach, but at the same time, learn learn your swing, learn your identity, uh, and be able to do what the game asks. Be situationally aware, 
um, eliminate chase down, stay on a fastball, and be a tough at bat, and be able to consistently execute. So it's those just the day in and day out of disciplines of all, all four of those. Yeah, you know, and you kind of saw that a little bit tonight with Alan Cordoba. You know, he's yeah. center of the diamond, a little bit oppo yeah. there. Yeah, uh, first pitch and attacked. Yes, yeah. Uh, just tonight, you know, with, with just as a team concept, there was a lot of hard outs early, but. You know, the thing you got to learn is you just got to stay positive, stay in the game. You know, you never know what's going to happen until the last, last that bad, just like tonight with Allen. You know, yeah. he could have gone there, he could have, could have gone the other way, but they could stay, stay tough mentally, you know, and, and produce the game winner. All right, like a few more, then I got okay. a little bit of a, a little bit of a lightning round. Okay, that's fun with you. All right. Uh, so I see a lot of the, so I see a lot of guys using that blast on yeah. the end of their bats. Some yeah. more, more in the beginning of the season. Uh-huh. Uh, what? What technology are you using with your hitters to to kind of help them develop? Uh, a lot of technology out there is you can do pretty much like uh, the blast motion identifies swing path, uh, swing plane, rotational acceleration, those things. It's just it's a good way to present information to a player so that it, it helps eliminate the wall uh, that's built up between you and the player. It, it just shows him the information. Uh, there's a rap soto that shows launch angle, exit velocity, uh, the type of spin that you're producing on the ball. So those are just good pieces of information to show the player that what you're teaching or trying to show them that you're trying to move the needle yeah. with that they can see it as well. So it's a quicker step from A to B. Yeah, yeah I was talking to Pete about that. Pete's like, I'm just showing them the information. I'm teaching them it, but yeah. when they see the information, yeah. they're like, okay, he's telling the truth. Or I should listen to yeah. him. <laughs> it's like the, great, the greatest teacher is a picture, right? <laughs> right. showing them evidence of it, yeah. Uh, uh, so you were kind of Rudy. What are you doing yourself to to develop as a coach? What do you What are you doing? Oh man, lately just have been doing a lot of personal development. You know, uh, Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. I, I, I keep mentioning him. Was a great mentor of mine in terms of just challenging you to grow as a person. You know, within yourself. And then when the guys the guys at this age really they see that they 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 like they kind of they just cultivate off of what you're doing. I'm just you know just honestly. Seeing what new formation is out there, continuing to grow as a person, reading. Um, I've read a great book, if anybody wants to read it. The Slight Edge is a great book. Okay. Uh, it's a great book in terms of just learning daily disciplines, just okay. doing small things. And that's what you try to teach these guys. Baseball is just, a, it's just another example of life. You know, it's so yeah. long and you have so many ups and downs. And you, you choose how you, how you want to react to, to how, or how you want to respond to the situation. Sweet. So we got to talk about it. Gable okay. Arias has turned yeah. it on Absolutely. this last month Absolutely. what has changed what were you working on and i mean it just seems to be working yeah it goes all the way back to uh, last instructs and then into january just identifying his he's he's got such great rhythm and timing um to go along with his ability to pick up spin to pick up a fastball to go from a to b with his barrel to a fastball that's always been in there just being consistent with his rhythm um, developing a two-strike approach, um, developing um, situational awareness, game awareness, um, learning how to eliminate the chase down. That was a big thing. If we're going to chase, be up in the zone. Uh, his rhythm and timing, his ability to pick up the ball, his ability to be to be in a good, good, separated and balanced position. And then on the last, you know, just being able to understand what type of transfer he wants to have with his swing. Because Gabe's one of those guys, like we said, we said earlier, is. You know, he, he has the ability to do everything with, with the baseball, move a run, score a run, produce a run. Um, even when he comes up to up to the bat and there's nobody on, he can produce a run. So after a strong season at Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. Tristan Ellis came up here and struggled yeah. and was just sent down to, yeah. to Arizona and came uh-huh. back. Seemed to have uh, found something. Yeah, it seems like they did, they've done a good job with helping shorten him up with his, with his, um, with his, um, his separation with his hands. He, he was kind of working in two directions. His, he was heavy to his front side with it when he was landing, and then his hands were, were getting back late. Um, so his body, his upper body and his lower body were working in two different directions. Um, he's done a better job of shortening it up with some drills, and hopefully it continues to, to work his way. Okay, one more, then we'll get okay. into the lightning round. A little quick one. Okay, so what do you do to get away from the game? Oof, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm single and young. So it's hard to... Oh, I guess the one month I had off this off season, I, I got to go to Florida and spend some time with some friends on the beach. That was it. All right. Other you, than that, yeah, that's right. pretty much it. Are you living in Dallas still? Yes, I'm still in Dallas. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, lightning round. Okay. A little quick stuff. All right. Favorite baseball movie? Oh, gosh. that's Oh, man, Major League. Okay. Uh, what's better, Tex-Mex or SoCal Mexican food? Oh, Tex-Mex all the way. Okay. What is Tex-Arcana? 
Ah, uh, Playstyle. I don't even. I don't know. I think, I think I've driven through it a couple Dude, times. Is it, Ar- is it Arkansas? Yeah. Is, it, is it Louisiana? I think, I think is it, it, it's, yeah, you can pick whichever one you want it to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, besides the cat or a dog, what pet would you have? Oh man. A horse. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, that, that goes along with yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Um, Cowboys or Texans? Oh, Dallas Cowboys all the way. Okay, all right. In and out, Five Guys or Whataburger? Whataburger. Okay, Hands all right. Dude, Jugs, thank you so much, yeah, man. I really nice appreciate it. Fun. I appreciate it. Okay, absolutely. Oh, nice, man.